Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Chew the Bible. It's your good friend A.A. Ron. I probably sound a little bit tired in my voice because I am. It's been a long day. Made a disservice this morning. And then uh, went out and made some deliveries. Met some great people. <laughs> it's funny, I ran into two uh, younger, these two guys that go to my church actually while, while out on a delivery. They were coming to the store right as I was. Uh, yeah, they're coming to the Sprouts just as I was uh, leaving the Sprouts. So it's funny how that when that happens. But all right, we're going to go ahead and jump right into what is today? Today is the what? The fifth? Today's the fifth. So we're going to go ahead and read Psalm chapter five real quick. Psalm five. Let's see here. And I'm going to read the seven. 7 to 12. So he says, this is a psalm of David. And he says, But I enter your house by the abundance of your faithful love. The abundance of your faithful love. Thank you, Lord. Shout out to this guy, this lawyer named David. I met him today. He was my last delivery of the day. He was great. Gave me a great, awesome tip. Uh, Cash tip on top of the tip that was on the app. It's like, I mean, I wish every customer was like him. And he also gave me some great conversation. Uh, had me, my wheels turning about possibly reconsidering law school again. So I'm going to be praying about that a lot the next few days. Because it's like every year, every year this comes up. Every year I have this itch. Like, should I pursue it? Should I pursue it? So... Anyway, it feels like the next decade of my life is going to be shaped by the decisions I make for for the remainder of this year and and going into next year. But no pressure at all because, yeah, the steps of a righteous man are ordered. And then they're righteous. I'm righteous on not because of anything that I did, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. So thank God for that. All right. Here we go. But I enter your house by the abundance of your faithful love. Once again, this is Psalm chapter five, verse seven. I bow down towards your holy temple and reverential awe of you. Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my adversaries. Make your way straight before me. Yes, Lord, that is my prayer right now. I need you, Lord, to make. Let's see. I'm going to write that in here. Nine. 5 2021 at 10 i like the date and time stamp when i read certain scriptures 10:04 p.m. need clarity about next steps as far as career moves law school question mark all right yes lord make our make our ways straight before us for there is nothing reliable in what they say destruction is within them their throat is an open grave he's talking about his enemies they flatter with their tongues punish them god and let them fall by their own schemes Whenever I quote this stuff I always just think of like the enemy satan and his demons that are just 
constantly operating and lying to me and trying to confuse me and um, causing me to be unstable and um, just anybody that would be allowing the enemy to work in my life, try to, to oppose me. Um, whether it's in my face or behind my back as well. So, and I pray grace and mercy on them too. So when I see these scriptures like that, because I don't have I don't have anybody trying to kill me right now, as far as I know, or know. Um, David had his own son trying to kill him. So, and Saul trying to hunt him down. Yeah, boy, David had it had it rough, <clears throat> but he had God on his side, so he had nothing to be afraid of. Punish them, God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let them fall by their own schemes. Drive them out because of their many crimes, for they rebel against you. But let, let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them shout for joy forever. May you shelter them, and may those who love your name boast about you. For you, Lord, bless the righteous one. You surround him with favor like a shield. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Surround us. With favor like a shield. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we go into Judges chapter 11. That we would just, <clears throat> we would recognize that shield that is around us. Lord, we thank you for your favor. We thank you, Lord, that you are making our way straight and clear. That we are not um, unstable. We are um, not double-minded. We are clear-minded and, and single-minded on you, Lord. And, and you are ordering our steps. Help us to, your word says, as a man thinketh, so is, so is he. So help us to meditate on your word and to think, not just positive thoughts, but to think about you, God, and think about your goodness, think about your mercy, and think about, um, just meditate on the goodness of what you did on the cross by sending your one and only son, your only begotten son, to die for us. So we can have eternal life. We thank you for that. And Lord, you said to speak to us as we go through Judges chapter 11. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. All right. So let's do a quick recap. In Judges 10. What happened in Judges 10? Let's flip back. So you had this cat named Tola who came after Abimelech. Abimelech was killed. Remember, Abimelech was the son that Gideon had through a concubine. And he went and killed 69 of, of Gideon's sons, other his sons that he had through wives, various wives. <clears throat> but one of them survived who was who was the cat that survived the one son Jotham yeah this youngest son Jotham he survived but anyway after Abimelech this guy named Tola became a judge to, and to, delivered Israel and then after him there was this guy named Jair and then the Israelites went back to worshipping <laughs> Ball and the, the idols. And yeah, it just wasn't good. <clears throat> hmm. Alright, so now we're in chapter 11. Japheth, Jephthah 
becomes Israel's leader. Okay, because Israel cries out to the Lord and asks for help. Once again, this has happened over and over again. We need to do a counter on the number of times that the Israelites have cried out to the Lord or complained. And then, yeah, God answered their prayer. And then they went right back. They went right back to what they were doing before. Their rebellious, idolatrous ways, which, like I said, I can relate. Jephthah the Gileadite was a valiant warrior. That's the same terminology that was used about Gideon. But he was the son of a prostitute, and Gilead was his fa- was his father. Gilead's wife bore him sons, and when they grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You will have no inheritance in our father's family, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah, once again, this is another example of how having multiple wives doesn't really turn out well for these these folks. You will have no inheritance in our father's family because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Then some worthless men joined Jephthah and went on raids with him. Sometime later, the Ammonites fought against Israel. When the Ammonites made war with Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Said to him, come be our commander and let's fight the Ammonites. Jephthah replied to the elders of Gilead. I need some water, man, because my throat is tripping. Hold on, y'all. Hold on a second. Dearest father, closest friend, most beautiful, most beautiful, dearest father. Alright. Where was I? Darn it, lost my spot. Alright, here he goes. Come be our commander and let's fight the Ammonites. Jephthah replied to the elders of Gilead, Didn't you hate me and drive me out of my father's family? Why then have you come to me now when you're in trouble? Happens all the time. They answered Jephthah, that's true, but now we turn to you. Come with us. (laughs) Yeah, just overlook all that. Fight the Ammonites, and you will become leader of all the inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah said to them, excuse me, y'all. Jephthah said, that's like the worst thing you can do on a podcast is yawn, but hey. When it's your podcast, you can run it however you want to run it. <laughs> it's all this one. Yawning is permitted. Don't hate, appreciate. Don't, uh, yeah. If you are bringing me back, or right, where was I? Verse 9. So Jephthah said to them, If you are bringing me back to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gives them to me, I'll be your leader. The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord is our witness if we don't do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead. The people made him their leader and commander, and Jephthah repeated all his terms in the presence of the Lord of Mizpah. Jephthah rejects Ammonite claims. Jephthah sent messengers to the kings of the Ammonites, asking, What do you have against me that you have come to fight me in my land? Verse 13, the king of the Ammonites said to Jephthah's messengers, When Israel came from Egypt, they seized my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok and the Jordan. Now restore it peaceably. 
Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites to tell him this is what Jephthah says. Israel did not take away the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites. But when they came from Egypt, Israel traveled through the wilderness of the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let us travel through your land. But the king of Edom would not listen. They also sent messengers to the king of Moab, but he refused. So Israel stayed in Kadesh. Then they traveled through the wilderness and around the lands of Edom and Moab. They came to the east side of the land, east side? of the land of Moab and camped on the other side of the Arnon, but did not enter into the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was the boundary of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to Sahan, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon. Israel said to him, Please let us travel through your land to our country. But Sahan would not trust Israel to pass through his territory. Instead, Sahan gathered all his troops, camped at Jehaz, and fought with Israel. Then the Lord God of Israel handed over Sahan and all his troops to Israel, and they defeated them. So Israel took possession of the entire land of the Amorites who lived in that country. They took possession of all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the wilderness to the Jordan. The Lord God of Israel has now driven out the Amorites before his people Israel and will now force us out. And will you now force us out? Isn't it true that you can have whatever your God, Shemash, conquers for you? And we can have whatever the Lord, our God, conquers for us? Mm, that's a good prayer. Lord, we can have whatever you conquer for us. Whatever you've already set before us. Whatever treasures are already out there waiting for us as we go. You already go before us. The healings that will take place in our own bodies and the healings that will take place in our families, the blessings that will take place in our families, the homes, the the debt free cancellation, all just everything that's waiting. The joy, the peace, the rest, the breaking of generational curses that's lying before us. Yes. Everything, Lord, you have the you already hold the key, you've given us the key to unlock to unlock the treasure, Zoe. You are the treasure. And thank you for that. Thank you for that. We can have whatever the Lord our God conquers for us. That's a question to us. Can't we have whatever the Lord our God conquers for us in Jesus? He conquered sin and death. So that's the ultimate thing he conquered. And he said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly and to the full. I still don't fully understand the mystery of all that. And it's been tainted so much by the whole health, wealth, and prosperity movement. But he does, he did. That's part of, that is part of the blessing of being a Christian. Is we have healing, we have restoration, we have redemption, we have peace, we have joy, we have the fruit of the Spirit. We have the gifts of the spirit. Anyway. All right. Verse 25. Now are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever contend? Yeah, I remember Balak. Oh, dude, they tried to hire uh, Balaam. Did he, not to be confused with Barak, did he ever contend with Israel or fight against them? While Israel lived 300 years in Heshbon and Aror, in their surrounding villages and in all the cities that are on the banks of the Arnon, why didn't you take them back at that time? 
I have not sinned against you, but you are doing me wrong by fighting against me. Let the Lord, who is the judge, decide today between between the Israelites and the Ammonites. But the king of the Ammonites would not listen to Jephthah's message that he sent him. Let the Lord, who is judged, decide today between the Israelites and the Ammonites. But the king of the Ammonites would not listen to Jephthah's message that he sent him. Not, not, not very. I don't think that was a very smart move. Or we used to say as kids, smooth move, x But it wasn't smooth at all. It's sarcastic when we say that. It's so funny, all these like sayings we said as kids, and like I think they're getting old now. I don't even know what all the new sayings are. It'd be interesting to see what my kids, when they get around their friends and I have them over and hear the little jokes and things that they say, and be like, <laughs> and they'll think that sounds so cool that it's fresh. Anyway, all right, Jephthah's vow and sacrifice. The Spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. Wow, the Spirit of the Lord. Holy Spirit came on Jephthah, who traveled through Gilead and Manasseh and then through Mizpah of Gilead. He crossed over to the Ammonites from Mizpah to, of Gilead. Jephthah made this vow to the Lord. If, if you, in fact, hand over, hand over the Ammonites to me, whoever comes out the doors of my house to greet me when I return safely from the Ammonites will belong to the Lord, and I will offer that person at a as a burnt offering. That's a weird vow to make. Verse thirty-two. Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them, and the Lord handed them over to him. He defeated twenty of their cities with a great slaughter, from Aror all the way to the entrance of Mineth into Abel Kiramim. So the Ammonites were subdued before the Israelites. When Jephthah went to his home in Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with tambourines and dancing. Wow. I'll be like, <laughs> if I wish I could be there, I'd be like, hey, 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 girl, hey, 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 Jephthah's daughter. Hey, don't, you don't want to come out right now. Like, you couldn't explain why. <laughs> he's like hey you just don't want to come out go back in the house go back in the house and I'm sure Jephthah at one point is probably like no not that daughter like why can't it be my crazy son who just sits around and eats potato chips all day and has no aspirations in life <laughs> he's the one that should be sacrificed nah I'm joking <sighs> alright let's see what happens let's see what happens when Jephthah went to his home in Mizpah there was his daughter coming out to meet him with tambourines and dancing I'm gonna put uh oh I love when little kids say uh oh she was his only ch- oh snap oh man his only child he had no other son or daughter besides her so he didn't have a little a son that sits around to eat chips all day when he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, No, not my daughter. I wonder who who in his mind he was thinking would come out. Like, who was he picturing? Like some servant guy that he had, the, the, lawn, the lawn man, the, um, what do they call the lawn man? 
Or was he picturing like Florence from the Jeffersons? Is that her name? Florence? He used to always fight Mr. Jefferson, argue with him. Was he picturing like, yeah, I don't know, his servant tattoo? Anyway. Hey, boss, the plane, the plane. All right, verse 35. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, no, not my daughter. You have devastated me. You have brought great misery on me. I have given my word to the Lord and cannot take it back. Then she said to him, my father, why didn't he just say I'll sacrifice a goat or something? Why I got to be the person, a human being out of your house? My father, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you have said, for the Lord brought vengeance on your enemies, the Ammonites. She also said to her father, let me do this one thing. Let me wander two months through the mountains with my friends and mourn my virginity. Go, he said, and he sent her away two months. So she left with her friends and mourned her virginity as she wandered through the mountains. At the end of two months, she returned to her father and he kept the vow he had made about her. And she had never been intimate with a man. Now it became a custom with it became a custom in Israel that four days each year the young women of Israel would commemorate the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite. So he actually ended up killing her. This 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 is this this is this is why people like get this stories like this it makes it hard for folks to follow the Bible, but hey Let's see what Tony has to say about this. Why did the author tell us this detail about Jephthah's mother? Because at the man's, as the man's story unfolds, we'll see that your background doesn't determine your usefulness to God. Your background doesn't determine your usefulness to God. Rahab the harlot, for instance, cast herself on the mercy of the Lord and ended up being in the lineage of Jesus Christ. See Joshua 2.1 six twenty two through twenty three and Matthew one five. Jephthah set the record straight when the when Israel asked to pass through the same general area when they came out of Egypt, Sahan wouldn't let them let went and let them and attacked Israel instead. So the Lord helped Israel defeat Sahan's people and gave them their land. As a result of her father's vow, the girl who would be able to marry and have a family would not be able to marry and have a family. Thus, when Jephthah's daughter, his only offspring, came out of his house to meet him, any dynasty plans he had were thwarted. The men of Ephraim were upset because, there goes that word dynasty, it's been coming up a lot lately, ever since I was talking about dynasties. The men of Ephraim were upset because they hadn't been called into the battle right away. The dispute resulted in Israel's tribe fighting each other. And ultimately, 42,000... Oh, I'm jumping ahead. I thought he was going to talk more about this whole story about this woman. And why he would sac- Why he even made that vow to sacrifice whoever came and greeted him. It's just... I don't know, I'll have to read more about this later. I'm going to put a big old question, question mark. It's like... This makes no sense. All right, let's hop on this Romans road. Romans 3.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God... Oh, sorry. Now, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
And then Romans 6, 23 says, For the way to sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed or demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So you can just simply ask Jesus in, Jesus into your heart by saying a prayer like this in your own words. Or you can just follow along and just, just sincerely mean what you say. Say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' amazing, mighty name, I pray. Amen. According to Romans ten thirteen, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So that includes you. You just say in that prayer, there's nothing that you could do to out God. And there's no nothing you can do to out to earn his love and earn his, earn his salvation. It's a free gift. You just accepted that free gift and you're now in his family. So you are now born again. You are a new creation. You've been made new. And uh, from this day forward, he is your father. It's funny because in church today, the pastor, Pastor John Brown brought up this how the simple, the simplicity of all this, these scriptures in John or first John and how hard it is for our human brains to to grasp that, yeah, we're not just all God's children. Yes, he did create all of us, but because of the fall when Adam and Eve, the curse of the sin they brought on the world, we've been separated from him. And the only way to be joined back to him to be to actually be a child of God now, we're not all God's children. Like the whole, we are the world, we are the children. No, mm-mm. If you yeah, that's you're a child of the devil, until until he but he what made a way for all of us to be redeemed through his son Jesus, and by accepting his son Jesus, you are now reconciled. Your your experience that redemption, that free gift that he did when he died, he laid his life down to make a way. He said, "On the way, the truth, and the life, no one goes to the Father." to God except through me he's the narrow way so yes you are now a member of his family you've been born again and uh, don't ever let anybody tell you that you can lose your salvation that would be like saying Jesus needs to go back on the cross again and, and do go through all the whole process of uh, being crucified so, and it's in light of that, that's what inspires us to do great works that he pre- prepared for us before we were even born. That's what inspires us to, uh, encourages us to avoid sin and resist sin and repent when we do sin. So, um, that's the gospel in a nutshell. I could talk about it all day. I could quote a million scriptures, but... It, it's going to take you actually talking to him and 
um, reading his word and asking him to just speak into your heart to, and even then we, it's a constant process of learning more about the mysteries of Jesus, the mysteries of God and, and why things are the way they are. And, uh, the great lengths that he went to for us to be saved and what that means for us on this earth and what it means for you in eternity. That's something that even in eternity, I feel like we'll still be learning about the mysteries of, of salvation and how it all played out. And yeah. So anyway, all right, we're going to do one more episode and then I'm going to get ready for bed. That old man sleepy vibe is hitting me. Be right back.